0: We are changing our approach. We are now having uh, a social media approach where we are taking content to Instagram, making videos or TikTok, um, going there, making two-minute videos with news coverages, making it fun, um, you know, but doing it daily, doing it regularly and consistently to grow our reputation and our brand with that audience.
1: hi everyone welcome to a new episode of our news personalization expert talks i'm thomas staysal personalization strategist at Fumul, and i will be hosting this episode thanks for tuning in during our expert talks we're interviewing industry leaders focusing on modernizing the news digital experience today we have mohan gulati as our guest welcome mohan
0: hey thanks thomas nice to be here
1: we are very happy We are very happy to have you in our podcast Mohan. You are Senior Director for Digital Product Management and Delivery at Torstar, and also a thought leader on digital innovation and product design. So as a starter, could you tell us more about what your job is all about and how you fit into the global Toronto Star organization?
0: Sure. Uh, So I fit into the world of digital at the Toronto Star. And and the Toronto Star is, one of Canada's largest uh, news media outlets, and uh, I have the honor of uh, leading the product management team and the delivery team at Torstar, at the Toronto Star. We have uh, a number of different publications. The Toronto Star is the the most well known brand uh, that we have, and uh, yeah, we pr- we work on all of our web products and our mobile app
1: products. So that's star you're serving daily news to millions of Canadians all over the country, which places you in a very central position when it comes to communicating about crises like COVID-19 uh, these days. From that perspective, uh, can you tell us how the news consumption uh, evolved in Canada the last year?
0: In the, in the last year, so if we look at pre-COVID, Um, We were seeing already a a lot of Canadians going online for news, um, about 48% or something like that. And I would say in the uh, COVID era, in the 2020 year, we've seen, uh, globally speaking, uh, 47% increase in the overall um, consumption of news products and going to that as a channel to get informed. Uh, So we felt that also in Canada, we've seen huge spikes uh in in our own consumption especially when you know the waves hit so the first wave uh was massive we saw easily 25 to 40 percent increase in some areas and then you know the second wave and then well we're kind of in the middle of a third wave so we're seeing again a lot of consumption of, of covid specific content but then again overall content increased in terms of consumption from year over year
1: very interesting, yeah, which shows the importance of uh, news in a democracy, right, um, to be um, a source of reliable content. Um.
0: Yeah, no, we, we definitely, I mean, Toronto Star as a trusted source or trusted brand, right? So we know that um, people are looking for trusted news sources to get the content. In Canada, we're definitely uh, seen as that, and, and it's not the, leader in that, but we we report on COVID. We put a lot of effort in our reporting on, on COVID during this time. Um, also making sure that we hold, um, you know, our governments responsible and accountable for the actions that they're doing. Uh, there was a really good article we posted um, just around um, December. Actually, it was a letter to our government um, asking them to do something about um, the elderly in the home care and, and the situation there, which is, has been absolutely disastrous in Canada. Uh, and, you know, we were able to see immediately a difference. That the two days later, the premier of Ontario came online and, uh, you know, started to make changes. And, and that's the kind of power that uh, news medias can have. So it's not just, you know, provide information, but also to impact society and make sure things are going uh, in a positive way where you can, you know, have that influence, have that weight. Uh, We are a voice in in Canada, and particularly in Ontario, and that's really important.
1: Amazing. Yeah. And regarding that that, that rise uh, in consumption, um, do you consider uh, this as a sustainable trend? Do you think that people kind of discovered how they could consume news in a digital way? Do you think um, this will stay in the future?
0: I think there's an overall rise, right, Thomas? So when it starts off, um, the spikes are are spikes. There are definitely increases related to um, the content and what's happening in the world today. Um, But overall, yes, I think there's been an increase in adoption. So I'll give you an example um, with uh, what we call professionally baby boomers or Gen Xers. Um, The the, the amount of, demographic shows and the numbers show uh, let me look it up I have it here actually in front of me that um, more and more of them are coming online actually there's less of a difference so I think 51% of internet usage online in 2020 are now by Gen Xers and baby boomers Um, and the average time that they were consuming in 2020 was two hours and 29 minutes versus one hour and 54 minutes in 2019 so the overall adoption to digital by this by this segment of society has increased tremendously. Whether it's, if you think about online grocery shopping or banking online or or whatever it is, and that's translating also to news media, to consumption. Um, There's a big, big push towards mobile, um, huge adoption of mobile from the society as well. So we're seeing, and I believe, that it will continue to sustain, just not at the same level. And then there's an effort, right? How do you make sure that you, are doing the right things and learning to retain uh, that audience and that consumption
1: sure yeah amazing figures right so it's just yeah. doubling attention yeah. time from that segment wow that's amazing um and yeah talking about that segment so how do you approach readers uh below 30 let's say um do you have specific experiences for them
0: um so I'll start off by just talking about this demographic and what we've learned. We've done a lot of like user um, research on, on the under 30, actually under 18 uh, to be more even more specific. Um, but we, we have definitely honed in on the under 30 as well. And when you look at that, um, again, I'll throw another number out. 71% of media consumers are in this age bracket and they look for their news from digital sources. Right. So going back to my my number, we know 69 percent of people worldwide use smartphones (laughs) Um, and this audience is no exception. In fact, if anything, that's where they go. But what's interesting is you have to go where they're going. So they're going to a lot of the platforms, um, social media platforms to start to pick up their content. Um, A lot of them look at news as uh, a source of entertainment, actually. And, and the amount of content that they're consuming, the, the size of the contents is very bite-sized. I like to call it bite-sized. So it doesn't need to be you know these long, lengthy articles. Uh, the time to actually invest and read this is, is limited. So Thomas, the answer in short is we are changing our approach. We are now having a, a social media approach where we are taking content to Instagram, making videos or TikTok. Um, going there, making two minute videos with news coverages, making it fun, um, you know, but doing daily, doing it regularly and consistently to grow our reputation and our brand with that audience.
1: That is super interesting. So yeah, indeed, something that can define that new audience, right, is the attention span that they have. Huh? So you just explained it. Uh, they're jumping from one app to the other. They have like literally five seconds to offer you. Um, While, of course, for your business, it is key to retain them on your channel, right? So I guess there is a contradiction here in willing to keep them on your channel, on your app, but also, yes, serving them with news on other uh, channels like TikTok. Um, So how do you deal with that conflict?
0: Um, I don't see it as a conflict. Right? So the, we're a very customer-focused organization. So the way we look at it, the customers are the readers are on you know platform like TikTok or they're on Instagram. Um, more important is to create that brand awareness to become that trusted source, um, especially in the, in the age bracket that's growing up and going to you know eventually you know change how they consume their, their habits. We want to be the brand that they know, that they relate to and come to. So right now our strategy is really just create awareness go where they are, uh, not worry too much if they're coming into our apps or into our products or not, um, but instead they know that, hey, if I want to find out what's going on, uh, the stars got the best dashboards, so let's go to, you know, on COVID or they can, they'll cover interesting insights. Uh, their investigative journalism is super you know, relevant and current. Um, going back to that local play, right? They understand that, yeah, I can go and read from some world organization, what's going on, you know, on these global things, but if I want to find out what's going on locally and in, in my area, uh, the stars where they come.
1: Mohan, you said that they see news as an entertainment, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> That's funny because uh, when you talk about digital product creation, then I think we have a lot to learn from the entertainment business, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. clients like Netflix and, and Spotify and, and, and so um, what can we learn from these platforms in the way they provide entertainment if we want to see news as an, an entertainment also?
0: So, I mean, when you think of entertainment, you're obviously are thinking of, uh, the streaming services, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Disney plus, you know, I think, I, I believe, well, 50 million people, they, they got online, like in, in within six months of, of the pandemic, it was huge, right? Like Disney plus has done a great job. But if you think about the medium that they're coming to consume, it's video, right? Um, Like I think crazy number like 67% of global news consumers now watch online video news, right? It's it's massive. So there's a push there. Um, There's also like this i think it's more in europe actually than in north america where augmented reality is becoming something that millennials will look at right so i was like we're starting to see that you have to think of how you deliver news differently and the overriding thing that we're focusing on right now uh, that we're learning from the entertainment industry is is personalization right so like netflix does a really good job when you come on you've got your tailored recommendations um if my wife goes to her home screen, it'll be different than my home screen, right? It's, it's all very tailored and catered to your preferences of what you'd like. And, and that's what we need to learn uh, from that industry, right? How do we become personalized one-to-one both from a, um, you know, passive direction, but also from a customization or an active direction, right? So both of those need to be considered and, and have to be factored in because, um, I will go to the place that serves me content that's the most interesting to me and that may not be the same content that thomas is interested in right
1: for sure yeah can you can you elaborate a bit on 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 how you communicate about personalization internally is it a a technology trusted by the majority
0: yeah i mean The technology of of personalization is one part of the story, but it's also the understanding of how we achieve personalization is really important, right? So understanding that we need to build up first party data, we need to understand uh, user behavior both on our site, Um, the reliance on third party data is is disappearing. So internally, we talk about that from a technology point of view. We talk about things like dynamic journeys and, and what needs to be happening in real time as somebody's on our sites and what does that mean and how do you know internally how do we feel comfortable about that um again we talk also about like what i call passive versus active uh, experiences so passive experience being those experiences where we don't ask you for input but based on your behavior we will will give you a certain experience on the site um an example is you come you know you're reading a lot of this We've got a great hockey team, so you're coming. You're reading a lot of hockey news. um We know that about you, and all of a sudden, your feed and, and your homepage—they're showing you more content uh, around that, right? Or if we're going to offer up a newsletter, that newsletter may be something that is based on your interest on in sports. So we will use that information to give you what we call passive experiences, where you haven't actively asked for it, but we've known that this may be something you're interested in. And people look at that generally like in a positive way because it's, hey, that's what I'm looking for. It's, I don't have to go searching for it. Discoverability is easier. The relevance is better. Um, Then there's the whole part about active um, personalization. Some people call that customization, right? That part of the journey um, for us is just at its infancy. We're starting to think about what that means. Uh, Taking the sports analogy again, you know, if you come to the site and you're you're a big fan of the of the Toronto sports teams, then allowing you to customize your, your experiences on the site to be about, you know, your local sports teams that you're interested in versus maybe, um, you know, the, the team that's um, not so much of interest to you, right? Which you'd get otherwise if we didn't use that. But that's active. There's an action that the user has to use. Uh, we're doing the same thing with like local content. So we allow people to decide, you know, actively set where they want to get local content from, and that's, you know, that's an interesting problem if you think about it, Thomas, because you work in one place, you live in another place, and you may have family in another place, all within a 25-minute distance, but the news can change very local based on that, and you want to get all three of those sources. You should have a way to do that, and that's customization for us versus something that is like. We could use a postal code or we could tell you that you're in this area. Like That's passive, right? So very different choices and, and user experiences and features that we create based on that.
1: It's no surprise that when talking to a Canadian uh, company, the example will be hockey, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a cliche, so. Oh
0: yeah! Oh yeah! Absolutely! I, I remember being the the lone Canadian in, in Austria Vienna cheering the Canadian team at the Canadian at the international world championship. So <laughs> we're pushing we're...
1: We're, we're for <laughs> our uh, worldwide audience to uh, <laughs> to your That's right. Where, where the focus is for Toronto Star. Like... Provide relevant hockey news. That's all we need to do.
0: (laughs) Well, we're a big fan of the uh, uh, basketball, too, and and baseball, but definitely hockey is a cliche that we have, and and, and we are very passionate about it.
1: I can imagine, yeah. But that's very interesting what you're saying. So really trying to... um, incorporate both passive information. So from behavior, I imagine from what you're doing, um, but also active information, right. Given by, uh, the readers, um, do you also incorporate in their business, uh, guidelines to promote certain topics more than others, or to give a way for your newsroom, uh, your journalists to also influence, uh, what will be promoted on the homepage, for example.
0: So that's an interesting question um absolutely um we have two schools of thoughts um and one school of thought is we definitely want to make sure that our editors have a voice and in, and in, in, in create you know that's our brand they we just connect with the people that are writing things so we want to make sure that they have a voice they have a place and a very prominent one on our homepage. but then it's also very important to understand you know, even within a certain, uh, we call them containers on our homepage, you know, some of those containers are personalized, even though they're on a topic like politics or they're on a topic like, uh, you know, leisure or um, coronavirus or whatever it is, we have the notion of of also personalizing that right and making that so there's always going to be a balance. And it's also going to always be a place where the like, opinions are going to be, you know, that's going to come from our editors, that's going to be absolutely from us, top news, breaking stories, that's going to come from our editors. Uh, investigative journalism, again, we're going to make sure we give the right spotlight to, to our editors to, to, you know, showcase the information that we believe is relevant to our, uh, our larger audience, right? Yes, so you're um,
1: creating your news depending on the container right so certain container will use more personalization others will use more manual curation yeah
0: so there's there's a number of different if you look at various news sites there's lots of different schools of thought. um you know one is one where it's like a stream of, of news and the home page is like a stream uh you you know you can go to many sites and then there are sites where they're still very structured and still you know this is the it's called the editor's picks for lack of better words. And then there's kind of various themes or sections that you go to, right? And and those, you kind of highlight the most current, but also most relevant. And now we're adding that extra dimension of personalized um, content within those containers, right? So it's not just that, you know, within politics, you could be following a lot of different things, but maybe you really only like to meet Politics about you know your local area again. That's something that we take into consideration how we serve that to uh,
1: continue to find that. So, do you imagine proposing a slightly different homepage to every single TorStar reader? What's happening
0: today? It's already happening through that experience I that I just described. I think the experience on the homepage. Um, will definitely be tailored and and more personalized and customized, to be honest with you. Um, It will also take into dimensions like, you know, um, where you are, what you're doing, um, what time of day is it? um, Which day of the week is it? Based on that, we should be responding. And and this is no different than what you did in newsprint, right? So when you had, you know, the Saturday paper, the Saturday paper for us at least was, you know, like this thick, right? You got all of this. Why is that? Because people have more time on the weekend to consume content and they want to consume other kinds of content. Whereas, you know, certain days a week you, you do, and and there's science around even like how much advertising you put into it and all that. So we, we, we think about all those things and how do you bring them out into digital experiences as well, right? Not just, you know, what used to happen on the print side and still does to a certain extent, but um, that thoughtfulness and that, that, deliberate thinking uh, needs to also happen online.
1: I see what you mean yeah so really trying to transcribe that good old newspaper plus coffee experience uh, into a more digital friendly uh, way. Um, sure. I hear that, that that you have some experience already. Um, can you tell me more perhaps on the challenges that you see towards the future in always refining that personalization approach?
0: um it's an interesting way of phrasing it the challenges um there has to be a right mix right because there's so let me go back to a good story like you talked about the coffee in the newspaper right so as um you know some of my best memories of seeing my father reading the newspaper with coffee right like we all have that And, and also like but but also you think about like the saturday morning experience like while dad's reading the newspaper, um, other people are grabbing certain parts of the newspaper. Sometimes they grab, you know, in my case, I grab the comics or the the sports section, right? Like I start reading. So um, and dad's reading the business and the front line headlines, and you know, and mom's also like grabbing different things that she wants to read. And you know, sometimes you're waiting for somebody to finish something, right? Those kind of things, um, bring into account. Uh, Complexity that needs to be contemplated also to bring online. I think those are things that we haven't quite, you know, cracked the nut, if you will. Because how do you create that real-time social aspect of something like what was happening, you know, as just described? How do you do that? Like today, when I say social, people think, oh, I share things online. Well, okay, but how do I experience it together in a way that you know? And and you can start to see things are happening. There are changes. Like technology are, are introducing new new oceans and mediums to, to connect with people in real time and create experiences. Um, a good example is like Clubhouse, right? Clubhouse has come on the scene and people are, you know, yes, we're all stuck and locked at home and therefore we want to talk to people. So it's a great opportunity. But it also it, it shows us we can learn something about how you can connect with people that and share are sharing similar experiences that you're sharing and it doesn't matter where they're located. And I think that's exciting. If we can figure out how to, what the formula is, what the secret sauce is to that, and then bring that to news and start to think of news as a more social thing again, whether your social circle is, you know, Thomas and me talking about um, COVID because we both have different perspectives and different experiences, but there's a common theme to that. How do we identify that? How do we bring that together versus, Hey, um, I don't know how to say this differently very distinct very disjointed experiences that happen today and very siloed experiences right and and the danger of that is again you start to get a one dimensional perspective on things so there's a lot of like a lot of things to think about a lot of problems still to solve
1: i like the the reflex that you have as a product manager to see an innovation and then try to think on how how can i reproduce that experience on my specific domain right so Taking clubhouse, like how can I use that to improve my my news consumption? So that's, <laughs> I guess, something uh, typical from uh, people yet yeah, designing products in a digital way, right?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a sign of you know we as an active product we're always looking for problems to solve, right? And similar problems exist in different domains, and if you recognize that and you try to extrapolate that and and transplant that if you will, or transpose it onto your domain. Um, there's a lot of learnings so you can take from that a lot of insight. Right. And, you know, I think being entrepreneurial and being a product person, you tend to look at ways and things that are happening right now that are changing and disrupting how we communicate, how we work or what's happening. So to me, you have to be on top of that.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, I had another question, Mohan, um, more on the organization side. So we discussed the fact that, yeah, personalization is some kind of cornerstone and that it will um, impact both the newsroom, but also the technology team, that you need to think about first party cookie, you need to have that infrastructure. Um, How is it to organize such a project? Um, How do you make sure that you have the right people uh, around the table and and that you have a successful uh, experience with personalization? Because it can also be, a very difficult project to deploy in production right
0: yeah i mean <clears throat> so the way organizations today are structured and the way we're structured um we we work very 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 closely with um other departments so um it comes back to the values of the organization we have a, a value that we call those, we call it the scarf values so <laughs> um it's, it stands for being selfless uh being collaborative being agile being result uh, oriented and then being focused, right? So taking those values in, in our organization uh, and, and really living them every day, forces us to do things like, okay, we're gonna work with marketing. We're gonna work with our data team. We're gonna work within the product team and with our development team and and, and bring those groups together. Of course, the editorial team as well, right? And that focus and that collaboration is is really critical So let's take, for example, acquisition and thinking of dynamic experiences. We will definitely want to not do that on our own. We want to do that with um, an an editorial presence, somebody who's looking at how content is performing and understanding the analytics behind that. We want to bring in our data team to make sure that we've got all the right um, technology and and long-term thinking that's necessary, but also the signals that are important for us. And then we would look at marketing from a hey, here's how we think of acquisition, here's how we think of retention. Um, here are opportunities to grow. Um, he, you know, if somebody's about to um, you know, sh- they're showing less interest and they're coming less frequently, how do we change that experience? That's a product minded thinking, right? So all of these things <clears throat> start factoring, and then we have got user experience the factors that factors into it as well. So we start thinking of you know, messaging, um, how do we show uh, dialogues, do we show dialogues? Is it an underlay, is it an overlay? I don't know what words they use today, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like there's always a different UI element to think about as well as it comes into factor that might change also based on uh, what we know about you. Right? So organizationally, <clears throat> it's a big, big kind of cross-functional team, but you want to keep the team nimble and you want to keep them small. Right. So, yes, we want representation, but we want to also make sure that they can they can react because the beauty of, of technology is it enables us to do things faster and quicker. And we need to have teams that can like technology is in real time. We as organizations need to figure out how we're going to be real time. Right. How do we make decisions? In real time? How do we and, and be comfortable with making some mistakes? Right. That's part of the agile mindset, like not everything's going to be OK and you've got to be OK with experimentation. And learning and, and quickly, you know, something's not going the right way, um, understand that and then pivot.
1: That's an in, a very interesting takeaway, right? So, instead of waiting to be 100% sure about your decision, just dare to take a decision, uh, and then yeah, accept that there might be some some mistake along the way, but that's how you learn, right? Um, yeah,
0: um, multivariate testing or EE testing is a Really good tool in any product person. So, you know, you think about it from that perspective, um you're going to always constantly be testing. You're always going to constantly be trying things out. Um, some of those tests are larger investments, like they take longer to build or to do, whilst others are much simpler and easier to kind of experiment on. um And, and yeah, if things go sour and you invest in it, it's okay, right? As long as it's measured, calculated, and it was a good, you took the learnings away.
1: Correct. Correct. Continuously challenge, uh, status quo. Uh, very interesting. Um, perhaps as a closing word, uh, Mohan, um, there are people listening, uh, this podcast that are striving to start with personalization, you know, um, to actually get something started. Um, do you have any advice for them um, on how they should think about it, um, given your experience with uh, these kind of projects?
0: Well, the big takeaway for me is you need to start, and 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 rather than not start. <laughs> so, um, being bold enough to find an opportunity that is, you know. There's reluctance within the organization to move to this because of, you know, whatever privacy concerns might be within the organization or whatever the concerns might be. Um, I I would say be thoughtful, be be careful in terms of like how big of a place you want to experiment on, but find a place where you can experiment on. Um, And that proves very useful. So for example, for us, when we started, uh, we started uh, doing personalization at the end of an article, right? Uh, with what content recommendations. Very subtle, very soft, but we learned how it's working. We understood what data we need to do to fine tune to get that to be better and so on and so forth. So small steps, but then, you know, as you start seeing results and and be very, um, if you're not yet data oriented, orient yourself to the data, get your reports, get the right people in, we're gonna provide you with the metrics so you know what you're looking for in terms of success right? So it's, it's twofold. A, be willing to like, take that step and start small, but then also be internally very data minded and data or it's gonna, it's gonna shock you, right? Like whatever you start doing on personalization, if you're not looking at data, you're not going to understand what's really happening and all your hunches and all of your guesses will be thrown out the window. It's just, that's the way it works. It's like, you, you think one thing's going to happen, and then you, you do it, and you find out, oh, no, users are, and data telling us that's not what's going to actually be of interest. So it's, it's a very exciting world. Um, and you'll soon be sucked into that. And before you know it, you'll be doing everything and talking only about personalization.
1: <laughs> so brace yourself for uh, the shock, uh, <laughs> and then get started.
0: Was, uh, Thomas, I have to share this story uh, with your listeners, uh, we're, we're very much thinking about For You uh, as an area on our app and we're about to roll that out within the next couple of months. No secret, these are things that um, many organizations are doing. And I remember having a conversation uh, with our, our product manager who was managing that part of it. And uh, she said to me, well, I've got enough of a roadmap for the next six months easily. I said to her, you've got a roadmap for the next three years. Uh, it's, it's, that's the type of, once you get into it, you're in it. You're going to continue to kind of evolve it. And there's so much to learn and fine-tune and tweak and, and opportunity there. So
1: uh, it's it's just a start, even for us. An exciting journey. <laughs> An exciting journey. All right. Thanks a lot, Mohan, for uh, sharing all of that. Um, I'm sure it will be very inspiring for... Uh, all the people listening to this podcast um wish you all the best with the upcoming uh, three years of personalization projects <laughs> mm-hmm. and many more to come uh, i hope um and to all the others i say um we see you for the next episode thank you mohan you bye bye